Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord, church. Come on. I'll never let him do that again. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of God today? Are you really glad to be in the house of God today? Come on, why don't you give God your best praise right now? two services in the last two days and I don't know if I have a voice to sing this morning and preach so I'm, I'm going to skip that if that's alright maybe I'll take a rain check on that I am so privileged to be in church with you this morning I'm thankful that Brother John would have the confidence in me to allow me to stand behind this sacred place and minister to the souls that God has put under his charge I do not take that responsibility lightly and I would like for us to just stand and give your pastor honor for just a moment Come on, honor the man of God this morning. Let's get right to work. Is that all right? Did you come to be fed from the word of God this morning? Amen. Stand to your feet, open your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts, the eighth chapter. Acts, the eighth chapter. We're going to begin reading at verse 1. I'm going to read to verse 12, and then we'll let you sit down, because I know how church folk get if you make them stand up too long. Acts chapter 8. Acts is in the New Testament. It's right after John. It's right before Romans. page 1545 in my Bible. If you hadn't found it yet, come on up to the altar because you hadn't been to church in a long, long time. Acts chapter 8 verse 1, when you have it, shout amen. Anybody still looking for it? They wouldn't admit it now if they were. Amen. Let's read. And Saul was consenting unto his death. This is about Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God... I feel the anointing already. When they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wandered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Does your Bible agree this morning? I'm going to talk to you from the subject, break the chain. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're a chain breaker this morning. Tell him with authority, say you're a chain breaker this morning. I believe that God has some some work in this place today and he wants to break some chains in somebody's life. I wish I had just two or three to agree with me. I don't need the whole church to get on board with me. If I could just get a handful of folks to say, I agree. I believe that God is ready, willing, and able to break every chain of bondage. 
on anybody who's ready and tired. Break every chain in the house today, God. Stab the Holy Ghost in this place. Anoint your people. Saturate them. Spirit of God, we thank you for this opportunity. I have felt your presence from the moment I entered this place. This is your house, and we're going to let you have your own way in your own house. Take control of this service. Anoint my voice and my flesh to keep up with the demands of the Spirit of God. And let me be obedient to your voice this morning to declare your word with authority. Open the hearts and the ears of your people to receive from you today. Bind and rebuke the devil in every attack on the people of God that would hinder them and distract them from receiving your word today. Let us receive it. Deliver somebody in the house of God today. Set somebody free in the house of God today. Saturate us, almighty God. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Sit down. You can be seated in the presence of God if you can. The Bible said, do I have just a few minutes this morning? I feel the presence of the Lord. I don't know whether to preach or shout. I believe somebody's going to leave different today. Again, I don't need everybody on board. I just need a couple of people. Come on, don't make me come down there. I said, I believe somebody's going to leave different today. Somebody just shout, it's for me, it's for me, it's for me. It's for me, it's for me, it's for me. Make it personal this morning. Say, it's for me, it's for me. If you don't want it, get out of my way. It's for me today. The Bible said that the elders of the church had gathered in the city of Jerusalem and that Saul at this point had not converted on the road to Damascus and he was wreaking havoc upon the church. And the Bible said that the elders of the church came to Jerusalem to meet to try to figure out what they would do with this issue of persecution that was going on in the church. You have to understand that oftentimes throughout the scriptures, when you read the New Testament, you will find that there's a pattern amongst the leaders of the church that they tend to revert back to what they last experienced with God. When things get chaotic and things get hectic, they go back to the last place they found him, the city of Jerusalem, the holy city of God where Jesus preached, where he entered Jerusalem on a donkey and they put out palm leaves before him and laid their robes out and they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna unto God. And they received him as their, as their king. And he had, he had preached about the kingdom of heaven coming and how that he would one day rule from a throne in Jerusalem and he would judge the nations for their behavior. And the church was persecuted by the Roman Empire and they were, they were not free to worship the way they wanted to worship. And they thought that Jesus had come to overthrow Caesar and the Roman Empire and set up his own kingdom but then they watched him get nailed to a cross and all of a sudden it seemed like everything they had put their faith in had just drained them everything they'd put all their hope in was taken away from them. Have you ever had somebody disappoint you in your life where you put your hope in them and you put your confidence in them and then all of a sudden they didn't live up to what you thought that they should do in your life and when it's taken away from you all of your dreams are dashed against the rocks and the, and the church is supposed to be a movement but oftentimes when you get afraid fear will turn a movement into a monument let's go back to where we last discovered God Let's go back to the last place we found him. We will oftentimes stay in a safe place because of the unknown. How many knows that's true? 
we will oftentimes, we won't take jobs that we don't know how it's going to turn out because we're afraid of what might happen. We won't go back to school at 40 years old with three kids at home because we don't know how that's going to turn out. We won't put ourselves out there like that when we can't predict how it's going to go and what the outcome's going to be. Oftentimes, we're too scared to do it. So we stay in what's familiar, even though what's familiar ain't working for us, but we'll stay there because at least we know this right here. We got this down right here. And when you go back to safe places because of fear, that is when God will send something to shake you and move you out of your place. God has a way of shifting things in your life. God has a way of moving things in your life. God has a way of moving you out of the familiar and forcing you to step out of the boat when everybody else is too scared to step out on the water. You have to be willing to leave your environment or you will never discover God on a new level. And the Bible said that because of persecution, they were scattered and went to Samaria. Had it not been for persecution, they would have huddled up in Jerusalem and they would have stayed right there. But because of persecution, it forced them to leave their environment. I wish I had somebody in here who could shout about the bad times. Yeah, we we talk about how good God is. But I wish I had somebody who could shout when the rent ain't paid. I wish I had somebody who could shout when you're on the outs with your wife. I wish I had somebody who could shout when the kid's still on drugs. Oh, you got to be able to praise him when everything is not ideal. You can't just shout about the doors God opens. You got to shout about the doors that God slams in your face. Because if he wanted you to have it, there ain't a devil in hell that could have kept you from getting it. I feel like preaching this morning, Pastor. He scatters us and gets us out of our familiar place. And so this same church trying to memorialize where God was is now being pushed out of its place. And they're being pushed out of their place not because of something not be, not because of something in their choice, but because of Saul's persecution. Because persecution oftentimes brings direction. Persecution shows you who's for you. Come on, everybody's for you when you're behind the pulpit and you look the part and you're doing all right. But when you relapse and get out there in the world, then you find out who really has your back and who really is looking out for you and who really is praying for you. You better praise God for your persecution because it's showing you who you got. Whenever there was a dispute, they came back to to Jerusalem. Whenever there was confusion in the church, they came back to Jerusalem. When there was a crisis, they came back to Jerusalem. They kept huddling in the city of Jerusalem. So God sent persecution to shift them. I came to tell you this morning that your persecution was not the devil. Stop giving the devil credit for the work of God in your life. Your persecution wasn't the devil messing with you. It was God trying to shake you out of your plate and do a new thing in your life. I believe God wants to shift us into a new dimension this morning. I believe he wants us to walk with him on a higher level this morning. I believe we can't be okay with church as usual and business as usual. We got to stand up and wipe the sleep out of our eyes. Who am I preaching to? See, that's why some people shout during tribulation. Because real believers know how to glory in tribulation. Because they understand that it is just God shifting them into a new place. And so the Bible said because of the persecution, Philip goes down to Samaria. Without the persecution, he would have stayed in Jerusalem. So God sent the persecution so that he would leave Jerusalem and go to Samaria because God has unfinished business in Samaria. I'll tell you, God has unfinished business in Samaria. 
What about Samaria? We don't hear about Samaria. When we get to the book of Acts, it's, we haven't heard about Samaria in a long time. The last time we heard about Samaria before this encounter, Jesus sat by the well, and he was waiting on one woman. It was, it was the well sitting on a well. He was the, the Jesus is Jacob's well. And he was sitting on Jacob's well. And he's waiting on a woman. He's waiting on one woman in particular. And she's not a church woman either. I said she's not a church woman either. She's not a mother of a church. She's not a deaconess. She's not, she don't have a skirt. She's a woman that knows every man in town. And Jesus said, I got a need to go over. And it's for one loose woman that everybody has written off. Oh, you better praise God, right? We serve a God who will use the people that the world has written off. Where are my Saul's at and, and my Peter's at who've got some issues, but yet God still has a place for you. Jesus said, I'm going to Samaria and I'm not going for a deacon's meeting and I'm not going for a minister's meeting. I'm going for a woman. A woman who had had five husbands in a society where that was not acceptable. That's the woman he wanted. A woman who had had five husbands in a society where that was not acceptable. And the man that she currently was living with wasn't even her husband. She had five husbands and a situation. She had five husbands and a friend. She had five husbands and who the kid referred to as Uncle Fred. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, he, is he your husband? Well, well... He's, he's my friend. I'm not preaching on that this morning. She'd been married to five men, and she was living with the sixth man. But then she comes down to the well of Jacob, and she meets the seventh man. And when she met the seventh man, the search was over. When she met the seventh man, the search was over because he quenched the thirsting of her soul. He set her free, liberated her, and gave her the victory. But it wasn't her thirst that initiated the conversation. She expected her thirst to be quenched by the well he was sitting on. What started the conversation was his thirst. Ooh, you're not shouting half as good as I'm preaching. She come to the well, you know, to do what she had always done. And she expected her thirst to get quenched. And she didn't know this man from Adam. And she was minding her own business until he opened his mouth and said, Woman, I'm thirsty. I just spilt water all over the floor. Y'all better come get me because I feel like preaching today. He said, woman, I'm thirsty. And all of a sudden, she found out that she was a thirst quencher. She found out she had something that somebody could want. She didn't know that she was a thirst quencher. But all of a sudden, it gave her the answer to why she was always able to get a man. Because there was something inside of her that was able to quench a thirst. She just hadn't found the right thirst to quench because she hadn't met the right man yet. But when she met the right man, he showed her why she was the way she was. She thirsted for water, but he 
thirsted for her. Maybe things aren't going right in your life because you just haven't met the right man yet. Yeah, you've heard about him. You've heard about him. You come to church and you hear about him. But until you meet the right man... And all of a sudden, she was the vessel that God was going to use to set it off in the city of Samaria. God needed something to be planted in Samaria. So there would be something to harvest in Samaria. If there's no seed, there can be no harvest. So the woman at the well was the seed. And now in Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down to Samaria to collect the harvest. Can I tell you this morning that some of the things in your life that are wrong with you are only wrong because you haven't met the right man yet? And all of a sudden, she dropped her water pots. You didn't catch that, did you? Look at her shifting occupations. She dropped her water pot, and she went running into the city to tell all the men. You didn't catch it. You didn't catch it. She didn't go to tell the women. She went to tell all the men since she knew all the men anyway. She had influence with the men. She had access to the men. See, oftentimes the things that you have been through, you only went through them because God is going to use those. Somebody shout, yeah. So she went back to the town and she told all the men, let me show you what a real man looks like. She said, let me show you what a real man looks like. And so the men came out to see this Jesus. And so the woman sowed the seed. The woman sowed the seed. I said, the woman sowed the seed. Yeah, swallow that, men. The woman Sowed the seed. I would love to see a revolution start with the women of God. I would love to see the women of God come out of the shadows and stand up and be accounted for and say, if my man ain't going to do it. Who are you, women of God? Take authority over your home. Take authority over your family. Take authority over your children. If that man won't do it, take authority and make it happen. Because I believe, women of God, in spite of all your mistakes, God is going to use you to start something in the kingdom of God. There's a reason that there are so many broken women that have been called into the kingdom of God. It's because you're courageous and you're bold and you're a fighter and you've been through hell in your life. Broken women make noise. You lie. You lie. Every woman in here has ever been hurt by a man makes some noise. Every woman in here who didn't look the part so they got passed over, make some noise. This is a water pot dropping moment for you. You need to leave the lesser for the greater. It's time for you to plant the seed. No wonder Jesus waited for her. Am I preaching all right this morning? I'm I'm almost done, sort of. So we haven't heard anything. Ooh, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I feel feel like somebody's going to get delivered here in just a minute. 
And so we haven't heard anything about Samaria since this woman sowed the seed. And now, because of persecution, Philip is driven to Samaria in Acts chapter 8. And the only problem is, in Samaria, there's a man by the name of Simon the sorcerer who has set up camp in Samaria. And he has began to afflict the city. I need you to understand that any time the enemy knows God is doing something in you, he will always send Simon the sorcerer. I wish I had a witness in here. Paul said, I go to do good, but there evil is present. Every time I try to take a step forward, I feel like something's trying to push me two steps back. Every time I feel like God's about to move something in my life, here comes the devil to send something to discourage me and hinder me and hold me back. But if God is for you, there ain't a devil in the gates of hell who can be against you. Oh, shout hallelujah. Anytime God is doing something in you, the enemy will always send Simon the sorcerer to try to counteract and contradict what God is trying to do in your life. The reason you're under attack today is because God has started something in your life. And when the enemy sees wheat, he will always try to plant some tear. Say amen. But something's about to happen in the city of Samaria. Simon has taken over the region and he's convinced them that he's some powerful wonder. Simon has taken over the region. See, there's something you need to know about satanic attacks. Can I preach old school Pentecost to you for just a second? I don't know if I can do that in Indiana, but in Tennessee, I can preach old school Pentecost. There's something you need to know about the satanic attacks in your life. The enemy likes to take over territories. It's a playbook as old as time. Once you learn the devil's playbook, you can predict what he's going to do. And you can see the writing on the wall before it happens. And you can start devising a battle plan. The Bible said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The enemy likes to take over territories. He tries to rule over regions, and he tries to rule over generations. 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 The enemy has set up camp in Samaria to try to stop the power of God. And you have to understand the warfare that exists over your region this morning. Let me explain it to you. Jesus went to a man filled with demons in the city of Gadarenes. And when he cast out the demons from the man, they didn't say, please don't make us leave the vessel. They said, suffer us not to leave the region. In other words, the devil don't mind changing vessels as long as he don't have to leave the region. Come on, somebody, stay with me for a few minutes. We don't mind if we got to change vessels. Just don't make us leave the region. Demonic warfare takes over certain areas of your life. Certain areas are given over to certain types of perversities. There's demonic warfare over certain families. Oh, see, you can't preach like this no more. But there's demonic warfare that exists over certain families. Grandmama got pregnant out of wedlock. Mama got pregnant out of wedlock. And now my daughter's pregnant out of wedlock. There's a spirit over that family. I'm going to preach it whether you help me or not. My daddy was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. And now my son keeps wanting to get high. There's a territorial spirit that don't want to let the Johnsons go, that don't want to let the Klauses go, that don't want to let the Biddles go. There are certain things that run in your family. Your sister talks like your aunt used to talk. Your aunt talks just like your grandma used to talk. All of them have got the same spirit. But you want to break the chain. If you're still sitting there, I'm not talking to you. 
because you're not interested in breaking the chain. You better praise him like you lost your mind right now. You want to break the chain. There are some people that aren't interested in breaking the chain. They're content with making excuses and blaming other people and making themselves out to be a victim. But some of you are tired of dealing with your daddy's devil. And you've made up your mind that it flowed to me, but it won't flow to my kids. Tell somebody, say, break the chain, break the chain, break the chain. That's why God saved you, so he could break the chain. That's why God delivered you, so he could break the chain. He wants to bury what you used to be, so that you can rise up into what you're supposed to be. Somebody shouted, I'm going to break this chain. Shout it like you mean it. See, that's the problem with the church. We got a bunch of spiritual sissies. I'm, I'm going to break this chain. You ain't going to scare nobody like that. Hold your head up. Spread your shoulders out. Open your mouth and make hell nervous. For greater is he. I came to tell you this morning, there's chains holding you down in your life. Yeah. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My daddy was an alcoholic. And I'm four years sober. Because there's a spirit in my family. But I got an 11-year-old son. And I've already determined in myself that he ain't going to fight the same devil. It stops right now. It stops with me no more. Somebody shall break the chain. In order for you to be free, there's a chain that has to break. For it to be delivered, there's a chain that has to break. I can prove it to you from the scriptures. Abraham got to the city of Gerar, and he lied. He told the king that his wife Sarah was his sister. When he told that lie about Sarah, his son Isaac hadn't even been born yet. But fast forward. Here comes Isaac with his wife Rebecca, and he tells the same lie his daddy told. It was the same lie his father told. A lie that he never even heard because he wasn't born yet. But there was a chain between Abraham and Isaac. The same struggle was there because a chain was there. Don't let me lose you yet. I'm not done. I'm just now getting fired up. I haven't even taken my second sip of water yet. There's a chain that has to be broken. You have the same struggles that your family have because there's a chain there. When you go to the doctor, they used to examine just you. But now they want to know your family history. Y'all better get me out of this church. They want to know your family history. They want to know if your mother had heart trouble. They want to know if your grandpa had diabetes. Why does it matter what my grandma had? She's not even around anymore. It's because there's a chain between you. There's a chain linked in the health of your body and in the health of your mind. But don't you dare, don't you dare give in to the temptation to be conformed to this world but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. There's a chain linked up in the way you handle emotions. Oh, Jesus. Are you hearing me? Your grandma struggled with depression. Your mom struggled with depression. And now you're starting to feel depressed. But that's not your depression. That's your grandma's depression. And it's trying to hook up a link between who you are and who she was. But I came to serve notice on the devil this morning. The devil is a liar. You've reigned terror over this city long enough. You've wreaked havoc long enough. You've held us in bondage long enough. I'm not going to let my daddy's devil defeat me. There's going to be a chain break in this place today. Something's about to break in your life like never before. I command the spirit of release to happen in this church today for you to let go of some hurt, for you to let go of some devils, for you to quit blaming everybody, for you to quit pointing fingers, to stop being a victim of circumstance and stand up and make up your mind that if it ain't going to get changed, I got to make it change. Praise him like you mean business. Praise him like your life depends on him. Praise him like you're coming out. See, you've got to get mad. You've got to get an attitude. You've got to take authority. See, we don't preach like this much anymore. Back in the day, back in the day, the mothers of the church used to step out and take authority over their family. And they would do things like plead the blood. I don't know if you know what that means. You know, because now it's about serve God. He'll get you a Rolex and a Cadillac. But back in the day, we used to take authority over the devil. We used to plead the blood over our families. We used to plead the blood over our children. We used to plead the blood over our marriages. We used to plead the blood over our churches. And we took authority back from the devil. Now I've given you the good news. Now I must warn you. There are some chains in your life that need to be broken. But I must warn you because the enemy will try to prevent you from breaking the chain. The enemy will try to prevent you from breaking the chain. Let's go back to the, to the story of man, the man Gadarenes that Jesus healed that was possessed of the devil. Jesus was on his way to Gadarenes and there was a storm on the sea. The whole ship began to rock and reel because of the storm. And the storm came, I'm convinced, because the devil knew that Jesus was on his way to break a chain. And he knew that if Jesus made it, he couldn't stop him from setting the man free. So his only hope of continuing his scheme and continuing his game plan was to try somehow to prevent Jesus from making it to the scene. Because when Jesus steps onto the scene, every devil has to bow. Did you know that the devil bows to the same God that you do? So the storm comes and it begins to rock the ship and the devil knew that Jesus was on his way to break the chain and Jesus is resting in the bottom of the boat. Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. What kind of man can sleep through a hurricane? If you're in the middle of the ocean and a hurricane breaks out and you can take a nap, something is wrong with you. I would be losing my mind. Come on, people. Come on, people. But Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. Neither the winds, the waves, or the waters that were coming in disturbed his rest. 
But when one of his believers said his name, he stood up. You didn't catch it. You didn't catch it. The hurricane didn't wake him up. But the moment somebody said, Jesus, I came to tell you that you have the power to wake Jesus up like nobody else can. And if you will call on Jesus, he's going to stand up. I wish I had a witness in this place. Because at that name, demons do tremble. At that name, every knee has to bow. And every tongue has to confess. That's why when you get into trouble, the devil doesn't want you to say anything. Because he knows you have the power to make Jesus stand up. So his only hope is to keep you with your mouth shut. That's why we put it on our church face. And we walk in church while our life's a wreck. But we know the words to the songs. We clap when everybody else claps. We got this cute little dance we do when the spirit gets moving. And so nobody even knows we're dying on the inside. Because if the enemy can convince you to keep your mouth shut, he can keep you in your bondage. But when you decide enough is enough... When you're depressed, he doesn't want you to say anything because hell knows that the power of life and death is in your tongue. And if you open your mouth, the devil knows Jesus is going to stand up. I dare you to open your mouth right now and make Jesus stand up. Open your mouth and praise him right now. If you've got some change in your life that you know need to break, Press beyond the veil. Open your mouth and give God a praise. Am I preaching all right this morning? So Jesus stood up. He cleared his throat. He wiped the sleep out of his eyes. And the Bible said he rebuked the winds, and the waves. The Bible said he rebuked the winds and the waves. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't rebuke winds and waves. You rebuke spirits. You catch that? You don't rebuke water. You rebuke spirits. I came to tell you today there's a spirit behind your storm. There's a spirit behind your storm. There's a spirit behind your distress. There's a spirit behind your dysfunction. There's a spirit behind that problem with your child. That child don't need any more medication. There's a spirit after your child. And you could stand up and take authority over it right now. That child don't need a doctor. He needs a mom and daddy to call on the fire of heaven and plead the blood of Jesus. This ain't just about you. God wants to take back your bloodline. No, 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 no. Everybody in this church who's got a messed up family, that was your opportunity to shout right there. He wants to take back your bloodline. Your history does not have anything to do with your destiny. God wants to take back your bloodline. Now open up your mouth and take authority right now. I need some real praisers to praise him like you expect him to show up right now. Break the chain. Break the chain. 
Break the chain. Break the chain. Break the chain. Clean up that nasty mouth. Break the chain. Get rid of that nasty attitude. Break the chain. Get rid of that bitterness. Break the chain. Break it, break it, break it, break it, break it. God wants to redeem your bloodline. He wants to redeem your generations. He wants you to put into place something that will still be in play in your family long after you're gone. Your grandchildren could benefit from what you do in this church today. The whole trajectory of your whole family could change based on what you decide to do before you leave this church today. You could make up your mind that I came in one way, but I'm not getting back in my car without some change being broken in my life. You ain't got to lie every time you open your mouth. Break the chain. I didn't even call out names. I wasn't even looking at anybody. I was looking at the wall. There are chains in your life that you could break today before you leave. Spiritual battles you've been fighting all your life. And you've been pointing the finger at people and placing blame. But you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Your enemy doesn't have a face. Stop being mad at your mama. It wasn't your mama. It's a spirit. Stop being angry at your daddy. It wasn't your daddy. It's a spirit. Maybe you didn't have the luxury of growing up with a daddy in your home, but it wasn't your daddy's fault. There was a devil that was linking up a chain in your bloodline, and you can change it right now. My grandfather was an alcoholic. He was delivered. He pastored for 43 years before he died. My father was an alcoholic. He was delivered. And he's pastoring going on 36 years right now. I was addicted to prescription drugs. I've been sober for four years. God has delivered me. I'm pastoring alongside my father now. And it's one of the greatest honors of my life. And I've got an 11-year-old son back in Tennessee. And my wife is five months pregnant with my baby girl. And I've made up my mind, come hell or high water, there are some devils I've had to fight that my babies ain't going to fight. Somebody give God praise. It stops with me. It stops with me. I looked up in that jail cell four years ago with nothing but a roll of toilet paper to lay my head on. And I said, God, it stops with me right now. I meant business. If you mean business this morning, there are some things you fought your whole life that will never have to be fought again. As the musicians come. Break the chain. 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 You ain't done. You ain't done. You don't mean business. If 30 seconds wears you out, you ain't ready for this fight, baby. Break the chain. This is a fight that's been going on in your family for a hundred years. You think 30 seconds of praise is going to break a hundred year chain? 
Now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. Now we're going to see who was shouting just because others were shouting. And who knows they got some stuff that they need to shed off of them. I got some issues. Mm-hmm. Has anybody else got some issues? Come on, be real. Take off your church face for five minutes and come before God naked and broken. He wants the part of you you've never given to anybody. He wants the part of you you've never given to anybody. When you learn to get real with God, God will get real with you. As I open the altars this morning, I had this dog one time, a big, strong basset hound. And I named him Samson because he was strong. And for years, this dog stayed behind the house. And when he would see a car run by, he would run out and he would bark. But the chain would pull him back. And because that chain had pulled him back so many times, I thought the chain was stronger than the dog. See, some of you, you've tried to go forward. But every time you try to go forward, it's like a chain pulls you back. You've made a New Year's resolution, but the chain would pull you back. And you're starting to think that the chain is stronger than you are. But one day, that dog saw something in front of him stronger than what was behind him. He wanted what was out in front of him more than what he was chained to. And when he ran out and that chain tried to pull him back, he snarled and he growled and he said, not this time, not this time. And he stepped back and he dug in his heels and he broke that chain because he wanted what was in front of him more than what was behind him. And so this morning, if you have tried to move forward, but something keeps pulling you back, and the devil almost has convinced you that the chain is stronger than you are, it's time for you to dig in your heels. It's time for you to make up your mind that you want what's in front of you more than what you're chained to behind you. It's time for you to make up your mind that the devil can't have my daughter. The devil can't have my son. The devil can't have my... I don't care if she's 45. Take authority over your bloodline this morning. Take authority over your family this morning. Not this time. Praise Him. All over the house. There's still plenty of room. Make your way up the aisle if I'm talking to you today. Come on, don't sit there. Even right now, you want me to shut up because you're fighting with me. I believe that God brought me to this house this morning because somebody has some chains that need to be broken. If I'm talking to you, I don't care. Don't let the devil convince you it's too crowded and there's not enough room. Make your way up this center aisle right now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Come on, don't don't quench the spirit of God. Come on, make your way up. Yeah, 